feed off my energy, escaping my extremities. Absorb the nutrients, create your own recipes. Disturb the mind, body and soul. One, two, three, ready, set, go. Self-judgment, scratch it off the list. All negativity you got to dismiss. Even when you piss, become like a proton. Flip the script with a smile, then you move on. Get your groove on, be one with the melody. Paralleled, focus on your energy. Generally, directed with intention, creativity. It's fearful invention, so go ahead, give yourself a try when you do what serves, no need to ask why, no second guessing, stick to your choice, trust your intuition, listen to the Welcome everybody to another episode of What's On Your Mind, and today I have a friend that I've known for a long time, how long has it been, midnight, 12 years that I've known you? No, I see more than that, right? More than that, 13 years, like 13, yeah, that sounds yeah. right. 13 years, so it's a little weird because usually it's the opposite way. Uh, Midnight usually was the one behind the computer, and I was the one behind the mic. Yeah. And he, would, <laughs> he would direct me, and now uh, it's the opposite. I'm directing him on what to do, so it's a little awkward because when we first started recording, it was in a garage, too, and now we're back in a garage, so. Yeah, full circle, I guess, yes. right? All right, so uh, let us know who you are, man. Who is Midnight? That's a loaded question, but... Um... I guess we'll we'll take it from the top, right? So, yes. born and raised in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, both my parents are Mexican from Mexico. My mom's from uh, Mexicali, just over the border. My dad's from uh, Colima, Colima. Um, I'm number four or five, my siblings. So, I'm not one of the oldest, but uh, I think yeah, as time has gone on, I'm definitely looked on as... A uh, voice of reason and someone who can balance out emotions and people and stuff like that. So yes, definitely. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, my story is a little interesting for me. I think because uh, growing up, you know, I, I remember moving all the time, but I always moved within the San Fernando Valley. Like uh, I moved eight times in you know, elementary school, but I somehow managed to go to the same elementary school every single time. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a little unique, but, um, yeah, it it was, it's definitely interesting, even though, you know, I think that's what helped ground me, even though we would jump around from place to place, like, because I was always at that school and I had the same group of friends, like, that was kind of like my home base, right? So, but... You know, growing up, it was a little difficult. I had a lot of health problems as a kid. Uh, I suffered from uh, asthma. Uh, I had pretty severe asthma. And so I was kind of in and out of school uh, for most of it, I would say, uh, until I kind of outgrew it, which was kind of weird. You mm. know, just like once I hit uh, like 18, it just kind of everything improved. So, but, you know, it made school a little difficult. I was always really good at school. Um, you know, I was a great, good student, uh, very capable. It's just because of my illness, I'd be in hospitals a lot. And so yeah. I'd miss and do yeah. things like that. So, you know, it was an interesting road, but, you know, finished high school. And now I'm looking towards uh, getting my bachelor's in computer science. So that's something I'm excited about. Nice. So they're saying the audio sounds a little low. I don't know why this keeps happening. Uh, about that. Um Let's put it up a little closer. Okay. You maneuver how you want. I mean, now you are the star today, so. All right. I literally have it right next to his face, so. Don't know why it, sound, <laughs> don't know why it sounds like that. 
All right, you guys let me know how it sounds yeah, thank you, on thank IG. You. All right. Yes. All right, but don't worry again. If if you are planning to listen to this, hopefully you are. It's going to be on audio. That's why he's got a mic in front of his face. Mm. Like I said, he's not used to that, you know, so he's used to being <laughs> on the other side of the mic right. or the computer and, and whatnot. But I remember there was a story you told me when, when we used to record, and we'll get into the music part in a second. Mm-hmm. But I remember, I think you told me that one of your grandparents was born in New Orleans, right? Oh, yeah, my grandfather from my mom's side. He's uh, born in New Orleans. Um, he's... Uh, a de- he's a descendant from Native Americans, mm. uh, but it wasn't very well documented where, like, what tribe he was he was from. Uh, I believe it was his father who was Native American, so my grandfather was half. Um, and then he was he was born in New Orleans, so he was an American citizen, and uh, you know that's why my mom's side of the family, all twelve of you know <laughs> her and her brothers yeah, and sisters. Yeah are all uh, American citizens. But there's an interesting story, actually, with my grandfather. Uh, He was working out in the fields in California, and uh, there was an immigration raid uh, at at one of the the fields. Mm -hmm. And so they were rounding up, you know, a lot of the the immigrants that were working there, and they were going to deport them back to Tijuana. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened that my grandfather was done working for that season, and so he was going to go back to Mexico. <laughs> He's like, take me, take me back. <laughs> so, you know, he, he, you know, they tell him, hey, hey, where are you going? Because he started walking off. He's, he's yeah, trying yeah, to yeah, try, yeah. Get, yeah. Back, get back home. He's like, no, 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 you're coming with us. And so he gets in, you know, in the vehicle with everybody else. They take him to Tijuana. He gets off and he tries to walk away. They say, what, what are you doing? I'm home. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm going home. Like, I'm an American <laughs> citizen. Like, thank you for the ride. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that, that's a story that uh, yeah, one of the more um, uh, interesting stories that I've heard about my grandfather. Yeah. But is this like what, the 40s, 50s? Uh, yeah, I believe. Well, maybe, maybe fifties. Yeah, I would say fifties. Yeah, because yeah. it was uh, during, I think, um, the Bracero program. If I'm correct. I know my grandparents. Well, my mm-hmm. grandfather too came during that time. So that's mm-hmm. cool, man. That that is a very unique story because usually it's the other way around. You know, we have people coming from Mexico and then coming up here. But and how did you find that story out? I mean, in the first, I mean, who told you that? Uh, that was one of my aunts, uh, my tia Vicky, uh, who was mentioning it, mentioning it to uh, the group of cousins. As a, you know, when I was growing up, we all my aunts live in the San Fernando Valley, or a great majority of them. Yeah. And so um, all the cousins from my mom's side of the family, we would always get together quite often. And so it's kind of like we grew up together. And so yeah. And one of those, uh, you know, get-togethers, that's when the story was shared. And so it's something that's, you know, very memorable that I, uh, you know, it's something that I find very funny uh, because it gives you an insight as to who, even though I I never met my grandfather Mm -hmm. while he was alive. Oh, wow. Um, And it gives me an insight as to what the type of person that he was. You know, he probably didn't take himself too seriously. You know, hardworking man, he was out working in the fields, but he knew his rights and i think that gave him confidence to to say no no, no i'm going home yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know i'm not i'm not just gonna stay here and follow you i, yeah. I have things to do so yeah. that was interesting yeah i mean that's that's a really interesting story like i said because 
usually it's the other way around. And for, mm-hmm. for you to know something like that is powerful because a lot of us don't know our history. A lot of us don't know where we come from, mm-hmm. our roots. But to, to know, know that he was from New Orleans, right? That means right. you got deep roots in the United States yeah. and, and Mexico, right? So how does that feel? <laughs> well, it's a little more complicated than that because my my grandmother from my mom's side, same same side of the family, uh, I was told she's half Spaniard. Mm. So it's really, uh, you know, a mix of, you know, indigenous and yeah, Spaniard, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which, of course, is, you yeah, know, Mexican. Mexican. Yeah. 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 So um, that's why a lot of my uh, uncles were actually blonde. Mm. With uh, with the uh, blue or, or eyes that kind of change color, mm. and so it's it's a little different. Yeah, <laughs> that is that is uh, interesting. You know, you know, and, and as much as we know, you know, we we have these little tidbits of information. It's it's always a struggle because things weren't very well documented. Yes. You know, it's not it's not so much where, you know, you have people coming from like Ellis Island, right, who you can see the books that are written down. Like, yep, yep. you know, this this was immigration from Spaniard in case of my grandmother to Mexico. Uh, and so it's hard to find documentation down there about things like that. And then um, documenting Native Americans, right, even more. So then you're kind of left with this, you know. Uh, you, you get these stories that are passed down to you, and that's how you kind of know your history. But where's the do- documentation? You yeah, know, wh- yeah. where do you see it? it can't, there's no pictures. There's no. It's just storytelling. Yeah, and I mean that's the way a lot of our people, you know, kind of communicated or kept things alive because, like you said, there was no way of really. I mean, there was a way, but I don't think people were thinking about. Well, I'm going to take a picture from my descendants. <laughs> and a big reason right. why I do this, though, is to do that, to be able to have my descendants say, oh, that's, that's my lineage. That's where we came from, right? Because mm-hmm. I've already told the story on this podcast. So when well, you told me that, and then a, a couple of years after that, I, I learned that there was a, a lot of um, es, uh, escaped slaves that would leave from Texas and just the south into Mexico. So... Mm-hmm. When you said New Orleans, that's what I immediately assumed. I was like, oh, maybe, he, you know, he might have some Afro-Mexican ancestry. Because I know I do, you know, and I found that out recently, you know, I think like 10 years ago. And that was a trip because my mom would always talk about that, you know, how she had black blood. Hmm. But I was like six and I was like, okay, what does that even mean, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but how these things actually played out and how I did the research and I DNA taste or whatever. But anywho, you know, this is not about me. It's about you today, like I said. Right. Um, so the name Midnight is the name that I've known you by pretty much my entire <laughs> life that I've known you. I know that's right. not your real name. You right. Know, but it's a name that I call you. And so when did you get this name? So this was a name that was given to me uh, by a high school friend of mine. Mm. Uh, I used to hang out with a group of guys. And um, I remember we were actually watching a movie. And then one of the characters in this movie, his name was Midnight. And uh, I guess they thought it resembled this person. So they said, you know what? That name suits you perfectly. Yeah, you're up, you know, in the middle of the night anyways. Like, we're going to call you, you Midnight. There you go. <laughs> that is true. The guy doesn't sleep. Yeah. Back then he didn't sleep, man. Yeah. So, you know, that's something that kind of stuck with me since then. So. Okay. So I know that. We met through my brother, my older brother, Simon 25, mm-hmm. Alex. Uh, he's been on the podcast, too, before. But 
when we met, uh, why I found out that you did music or you kind of produced music or, or knew how to do it through him. And me and Alex at the time were looking for somebody who would, who would produce us because we would go to studios and, you know, it was expensive and then it just felt awkward. <clears throat> for me, when it came to recording, I wanted to record with somebody I could trust, right? Mm-hmm. That can give me feedback when I was recording. And that, you know, was a beautiful thing about working with you was that you would always do that, right? You would say, you know what, what do you do it this way? Well, what if you, <clears throat> what, if we, what if we write about this, you know? Mm-hmm. So you were definitely a producer. Uh, but before we did any music together, the first, first track we recorded was in, in a garage. And ironically, <laughs> we are in a garage right now, right? Yeah. yeah. And this was not planned. You know, we didn't say, okay, well, you know, in 13 years, we're going to do the same thing, you know? <laughs> but... <clears throat> Can you, do you remember what it was like to, to do that? We had the little Dora uh, <laughs> table little Dora that my sister table. used to use. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for you, bro. You were so low to the ground, <laughs> you know? And that that uh, laptop was like super loud too. Yes, yes, it was, you know, we did the best we could with the location and equipment, but yep. uh, I think it really helped um, work to work collaboratively, you know, where yes. uh, we weren't bound by a certain time limit or you know you got to keep feeding the meter if you want to keep recording no, yeah, we had time to kind of give feedback and then perfect things uh, you know both ways whether it's uh, the way that um, a flow went or whether it's uh, the sound like the recording part of, or aspect of it the levels and all that stuff so definitely gave us freedom to be more creative um but you're right. There was some, <laughs> there was some interesting times in there. You know, using, you know, instead of a pop filter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. You know, we had to. Yeah. We made do with what we could. So, yeah. um, and I, I think, you know, I think that's what ended up helping. At least I, I feel like it helped you guys out oh, uh, yeah, as far sure. as your most definitely. You know, perfecting your uh, lyricism. Yep, and it helped me to perfect and give me ideas as far as the recordings are concerned. I think that the second album I did with you, right, <laughs> self portrait, yeah, right? self portrait. That yeah. that that was some of my some no, of my was best the third work. One. Was that the third yeah, one? Yeah, because the second one was flow myself and I. First flow, one. Oh yeah, flow myself. Yeah, that was that was in the garage. Yeah, all yeah. The garage. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, self portrait. Yeah, we we did some good stuff we there. Did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. Obviously, you know, Alex told you about us performing or doing music. Mm-hmm. Why'd, you, why'd you even give him a chance? Why'd you give us a chance to, to perform if you had never heard any of our stuff? Or did you? You know, I heard on the West Coast. Of course. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's, I think that's the the track that Alex just kind of played for me in his Navigator. Yeah, yeah. And, and man, I, from, from the beat drop, it was just like, this is a banger. You know, Mm -hmm. and so I saw the potential right away. So uh, I know he he was looking for somebody to record with or somebody that could do uh, the recording because, you know, like you said, we were uh, broke students. (laughs) Basically. And uh, so, you know, uh, that was a skill set that I felt I could bring to the table that would help help out. And, you know, another thing that I. I resonated with was the lyrics itself in the songs. You know, I feel like that's kind of lost or, or has been less meaningful recently yes. in hip hop and in, and, and in rap. It's the message and the being able to relate to what 
what the song is saying, right? That's why I think, you know, in, in my opinion, Tupac is, is the greatest, you know, because it's not Biggie. It's not Biggie. Biggie <laughs> Biggie's great. Um, but I mean, just if you, you know, put in uh, any any Tupac track, you know, other than, you know, the the the, <laughs> the like how do you want her stuff like that yeah, but you're looking yeah. like Brenda's Brenda's got old stuff for sure yeah. you know mm-hmm. where, where you're talking about um, situations real life issues that people are going through you know you can relate to that stuff you can't at least I can't uh, find that same message in today's hip hop and rap absolutely so. yeah it's a lot harder to find it today and. When when I, I remember when Alex told me that we found a producer, somebody who can who can record our stuff, I was super pumped up about it because I mean, as you knew back then, I was just all about it. Yeah. Whenever we had any chance to record, you know, it was it was beautiful to to be able to do that. And I remember when he said, "Hey, we need to buy a microphone because we don't have anything." This is back in 2009, I think, right? Something like that. Yeah. I the mic so. was like a hundred bucks. <laughs> Solid mic, though. You know. Yeah. Which was hard to come up with. It was. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, and again, we didn't even have any filter on it, you know, so you can hear right. all the popping. Every time you would, you would, you would, you know, use a P word or whatever, then it would, right. It would uh, pop, whatever. But I still remember, I think the first track we recorded was, um, was it Second Coming? That's, that's a good question. Yeah, I'm not sure. It was either Second Coming or. Um, no, it was uh, second. What was the other track and shit? I mean, I forgot the name of my own track. <laughs> Where's the cheat sheet? Where's the- right? <laughs> I did so many goddamn tracks. I don't even remember. The, you know how many, how many uh, tracks I did. But anywho, it was a track that I did because I had gone to San Francisco mm-hmm. and I had. I remember writing that song in the airport. Right. Yeah. Yes, I remember the story. Yes. Yeah. And I remember that track. The way it came out was fucking clean. Yeah. The sound, you know, with what we had in a garage with all that echo and stuff <laughs> like that, right? But the way you mastered it with all the stuff you did on your side. Yeah. I felt so proud when we put it in a car and played it again. With the fact that we didn't know anything. We mm-hmm. were just kind of inventing these things, you know, at the time. And for me, I knew that from there on, I was like, I got somebody here that I can record with right. at any moment. And... It wasn't just transactional. It was all. I think we also developed a relationship, and I think that was, for me, the more important part that we can, we could hang out afterwards. Yeah. Because how many people can <laughs> say, you know what, I'm gonna go hang out with my producer, after this thing is over. We would go and I think the first time we did that, we went to go get some tortas. Yeah, close I think to where so. you live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. This is why I'm a historian, bro. I remember everything. Wow. <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm impressed. You know. But anywho, uh, I remember that, and I think we did four. I think two or four tracks. And then I took you home, and then I think you went. You started doing Prime America for a bit. Yeah, yeah so I we kind of stopped doing the music just yeah. for a little bit. But then I hit you up, and I was like, "Hey, you want to do it again?" You're like, <laughs> "Let's do it," you know. So it was awesome to to be able to do that. And I remember going and finally finishing the whole thing. I, I think. Well, what do you think? What, what do you think the hit the hit of that mixtape was? Because I know what it is. You have to give me the list. Cause addicted to your love. Oh, addicted to your love. You remember that, right? <laughs> I remember pulling up on the side of the car, yeah. you know, and playing it in my old uh, Pontiac Grand Am. Yeah. Like, and you're sitting down like this. You're like, we got a hit yeah. right here. 
<laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah, man. That, so that first, that that first mixtape was, was really what started Dark Label, I would That's say. That's right. You know? Because that, the, the one over here on the wall, those of you who can't see it, that was before Dark Label. That was my first mixtape. Yeah. Five Years in the Desert. And that was before Midnight. And you see, even my lyrics, the quality, even though that was recorded in an actual studio, mm-hmm. I think the second mixtape was better than this one, personally. Well, that's probably because, yeah. you know, in the studio, like, it's, like we were it's saying, it's, it's rushed, right? Yeah. You're on a time limit. We're here. You have, to time, you have time to rewrite and test things out and change the flow and all that stuff. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, man. So once we did that, we I think it was around my birthday. I think I was going to turn 23, I think, at the time. 23, yeah. yeah. And I remember... Okay, don't, don't age yourself now. <laughs> <laughs> you already know, man. I've said it so many times. It don't matter. Anywho, I remember going to work and slagging that tape, you know, at work or at school. And mm-hmm. But I think, I think uh, oh, the song that was also very, very cool or inspirational was uh, Words of Pain. That's when Dark Label was born. That song. Because in that song, you came out and... This, I think this was probably your first time on the mic. Probably. If I'm correct, but you were a natural. Probably you messed know? it up. Do you remember what you time. said or no? <laughs> you remember the exact words? I, I can't. No? A dark label. Oh, it's coming. Can, Can you, you feel, feel it? it? There you go. <laughs> so that, was that, that was the track, huh? That was it. That was yeah. the song that, that uh, made the dark label a dark label, right? And it was a perfect sound because yeah. well, a perfect name for the label at the time. And we know, so we put that tape out and then... I think a few months after that, mm-hmm. we put out Lyrical Genetics. Not even a year, right? Yeah. It was around Alex's birthday in 2010. Yeah, that 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 album was, I, I think, something special. It was. <laughs> it definitely was. You know, it definitely showcased both of your guys' styles. You know, very different styles, different yep. messages. Yep. Um, you, you each record so differently. Like, you... Your stories are so different. I, one of the things I like about you and your songs is is the stories that you tell behind yeah. them. Yeah. You know, and, and that, you know, in my mind is the difference between, like, somebody who's just making, you know, these bangers, like club bangers, yeah. and somebody yeah. who's trying to tell, you know, actually tell a message or share a story, um, which is, you know, something that I resonate with. Mm-hmm. You know that that, and then I know we're going to talk about this later on, but yes. I think uh, you know that's one of the things I appreciated about um, uh, the Chicano movement, right? And and all the stories that came from that, and the artistry, and you know, uh, it, it's the stories behind the yes. events. Yep. You know, so yep. something I uh, really resonates with me. So, let's see, we got a comment here. Alex said, I want to know when, when will Midnight release the songs? <laughs> yeah, that is true. What happened to all the songs, man? I know you lost, I think you lost the, or not, you didn't lose it, but uh, the the computer you had basically broke down. Right? Yeah, yeah, the computer, that hard drive crashed, and I didn't, wasn't able to recover all the stuff that was in there, but... Yeah, there was there was talks of me, you know, putting out a couple songs there, but and you got some good songs too. It's just I feel more comfortable, like I said, recording you guys than yeah. than being, you know, yep. front and center. So I'm, I like being the man behind the scenes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I remember Lyrical Genetics because we had set the date. I think 
the original date for that for that was to release it on Alex's birthday, right. which is seven twenty five. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't happen. Right. And I was pissed because we I think we had already pushed it before. That was supposed to be first July, early July, and I think his tracks weren't done yet. So that day, I remember we went to your house and we said, We're gonna fucking finish this thing mm-hmm. tonight. And we're not leaving out of here until we finish this yeah, damn this yeah, damn album. I can't album. remember how many hours we put in. Twelve hours. Was it twelve hours? Twelve hours. Yeah. Alex wanted to leave and I was like, you're not going anywhere. I was standing by the damn door and I was like, I don't give a shit if you're hungry. You're going to finish this goddamn city right now, you know? Because he was, he, he needed to record his parts. I was done. Yep. You know, you know, when I used to go to the studio, I would literally could record four tracks in one hour and I was done. And I don't know what it was with him. You know, he just, I guess they didn't want to write lyrics or he can, he could write, you know, that wasn't the issue. Mm-hmm. But that was one of my favorite memories of Dark Label because it showed the dedication we had to this as young men trying to do something for ourselves, right? <laughs> it was torture work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. right? You know, I remember uh, that last track we did was, um, I think it was called Walking in the Park. Oh, that was a great track. You know, and then that, la- that last verse with Alex, you could hear a little raspiness. Yeah, he was done. Because <laughs> he was done. But, uh, you know, I think it came out pretty good. I think the whole album... It did. It was pretty solid. It did. Um, very creative with the, with the album cover. Oh, yeah. You know. The, the, with, uh, was it uh, Beto G? Yeah, Beto G. And then uh, Fergoso, who designed the flow sign, which I have right here, mm-hmm. you know. Um, <clears throat> it was a combination of different people. Yeah. <laughs> Super team disc coming soon. That's that, that's a, a joke. That's a story for another time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, not, not in this podcast. Maybe some some other time. Yeah, but no. I mean, Dark Label. I think it was was a fitting name too because of you know the the messages. I think at least in some of the songs were were you know issues that people were dealing with. I yeah. Mean, more specifically, I think it comes from your guys's childhood and background. But it's something, like I was saying earlier, I mean, it's something that people resonate with, you know, yep. like being in, in middle school or high school and facing these these choices about, you know, what are you going to do with your life? What path are you going to take? Absolutely. You know, so yep. it's, yeah, I think it, it suits the message that was being put out there. And I think that specific mixtape was perfect because we had those those tracks. We had the quote unquote bangers. We had a banger and yeah. she's a psycho, right? <laughs> you know, but that's oh, another yeah. story. Uh, we had the storytelling we had we had a little bit of everything and what I really liked about that one was that we had verses where we would split up the verses you know Mm -hmm. and I always love collaborating with other people especially in a song Mm -hmm. to see what they would write that would motivate me to write better or I would just add to whatever they were saying right but then we also had our solo songs right so this also Opened up an opportunity for other people who were talented. You know, we had Carol, right? All right. Carol, Carol, to this day, is probably the best singer that we ever had in Dark Label. Right. Wherever she's at. And I think she's <laughs> having a baby soon or already had one, right? Uh-huh. But I just wish she would have worked with us more. Yeah, I yep. think uh, looking back, you know, um, there's probably more uh, variety we could have done, yep. you know, if Carol... Was was more of a focus, and maybe some of the hooks, or you know, in the background, you know, <laughs> you got you got to get some ad libs in there too. Yep. Um, 
but also Alexander James. Oh, I, he was know? he was up there too. Uh, the, I, to this day, he's I the think best. he's I, the best. To this day, I think that that chorus is the best thing I've ever recorded. I mean, and, and we got it in two takes. That you dude know? was just super talented. He he, the, he did the chorus one time, and I, I just gave him a simple suggestion. I said, when you say the word beyond, extend just it. go extend it. Go past go, beyond. go past the beat. Just just go beyond, right? Second take, nailed it, and that was it. Yep. Yep. You literally had a bunch of people in that room, a <laughs> tiny room, you know, but he 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 put them all in there. You know? Oh, yeah. And yeah. I mean, that room was changed and set up to record. Yeah, you know that the desk and the the mic stand and everything was is. I mean, we put cork on the <laughs> uh, on the walls, like replace the not replace but over. Oh, right, right, right. we took we took off the, the batteries and the yeah and we the took smoke detector right and the smoke detector. Yeah, yeah. You would you would hear it in the song sometimes. Everything. I mean, yeah. it was it was made so that you know we could we wouldn't have what we had in in the garage. Yep. Although the garage, I mean, was great. A lot more space. It was a lot more space. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> Sure. Exactly. The couch and the recording. Oh, yes. You know, so, yeah, you would go there and you could actually sit down, you know, after yes. you were done recording. Yes. Right? Absolutely, yeah. So after um, Lyrical Genetics, mm-hmm. you know, we, we saw a lot of, a lot of potential in, in Dark Label. We, I think we were all pushing to go to the next level. We performed. Yeah. You know, it was giving us a, a... It was allowing us to perform in different places, right? And I think the first show... Uh, with us was in uh, Reseda, right? Can you recall that? Did, what, what was your favorite memory about Reseda, that show? Reseda yeah. at, um, I forgot the name of Weber's the place. place. Weber's Place. Weber's Place. No longer exists. Yes, Weber's Place, now something else. Um, that was a great experience. I mean, uh, I remember we all jumped into uh, Alex's Navigator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Playing all the tracks, you know. Uh, you guys were rehearse- rehearsing, the, you know, before going on stage and... Uh, yeah, just being up there, the energy, the people, yep, you know, the lighting and everything, and it was it was amazing. <laughs> I remember uh, Lewis. Oh, doing... <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, that was the best part. Yeah, Lewis. Yeah, just uh, with his stunner shades, man, and just tossing out. <laughs> and he wasn't even old enough to be in there, but he was there, right? <laughs> he, he was part. You know, he was part of the group. He so, was. You I, know. I remember definitely always practicing before a show. I mean, we would do that in your room or, mm-hmm. or in our place. And I think that's what made us really good, you know? But I remember that specific day when we showed up. And I think people always judged us based on how we look, right? right. Specifically us, because we, we never been big guys, you know, mm-hmm. probably didn't even look like rappers to a lot of people. And I remember going into to that place and then, you know, when they, when they check you for weapons or whatever... And then when we went inside, uh, no, after we came out of the show, they were like, "Yo, we didn't, we didn't expect that from you." We're like, yeah, I remember that was the security, <laughs> yeah, right? The security. He's like, "What the hell?" Like, like, man, you guys killed it. Honestly, I wasn't expecting that from you yeah. guys. And yeah. and I was good though. I, I liked that. I liked. I, I've always liked flying under the radar. I felt like it was better for me because if there was too much expe- expectation, I think I don't know if I, how I would have handled that. Hmm. You know, at least personally for me. But even so, that that was. One of the best days of my life because we uh, got to meet. Well, I didn't get to meet him, but I know you guys did. Uh, was the old manager for Bone Thugs, right? For Bone oh, Thugs, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Alex uh, got to meet. Uh, who was a Lazy Bone? Yeah, Lazy Bone. Lazy yep. Bone. Yeah. Yep. He went up to the VIP. So, and that that I think was a huge compliment. Huge. You know, 
huge. Just out of all the other performers that were there, right? He was the one that got asked to go yep. up and meet him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that just really, at least in my mind, like gave that stamp of approval, if you will, right? Like, like you know, you guys got it, basically. Yeah, exactly, yep. exactly. Yep. I mean, yeah, the your, the skills are real, the music is real, and so let's let's keep pushing. So Alex asked if recording was self-taught, trial and error, etc. Uh, recording was um, a little bit of trial and error. I, I re- so before recording, you guys, um, <clears throat> I bought a lot of the equipment to record tracks on uh, my 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 keyboard, my piano, mm. and so I would go with this guy who played the guitar, and we together we would record like little snippets of songs and things like that. So that's how I, I kind of got my start got it, got recording. It. And uh, then he ended up writing a song, um, uh, and then we recorded him for his song, right? So that's where kind of my experience came from. Uh, but when I recorded, I think it was Alex or, yeah, I think it was Alex first, or was it you first? That was me. It was you first. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, that, that's when, you know, we had to get the mic and, yeah. you know, get a, a good mic <laughs> yep, yep. with decent quality. And yep. so uh, understanding, I guess, the what, uh, what a compressor mic Right. And then the different settings, you can change it. And, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, all of that stuff. That was a little bit of a on the fly. So it's a little bit of both. Right. It's a little prior knowledge and a little bit of uh, as you go, you kind of learn these things. See, I never knew what you were doing, but I knew you were doing a good job. You know what I mean? I just <laughs> thanks. So right. what, what you guys might not have known or might not have seen is right after our sessions, like I would take your, your samples and I'd go home and I would work on them yeah. and I would try all these, you know, different effects or um, different strategies to mix it in with the song. And so that would take me hours. That That's actually, you know, kept me true to my midnight. Yeah, really, you stay up. Because <laughs> I would stay up, you know, you know, 12, 3, up to 3 in the morning sometimes, you know, just doing this. Uh, but it was great. I mean, I enjoyed every minute of it. So Yeah, that's what I loved about working with you again, because I didn't have to tell you to do that. You would just naturally do it on your own. Mm-hmm. And then you would say, okay, the track is done. Here's the track, you know, and then I would hear it. I'm like, man, it sounds good. You know, it. It's a it's a good song, right? So, would you say that that performance was the pinnacle of Dark Label, or do you think that we still had other moments where we, you know? I think that was the best performance. Okay. But as far as the quality of music, no, no, no. Okay. No, yeah, I think uh, at least for you, okay, right? Because yeah. after that, after Lyrical Genetics, then Alex stopped. Yep. Stopped recording. Mm-hmm. Right, he had other things he wanted to focus on, but yeah, I think my skills and your skills, <laughs> yeah, but you know, both improved after that. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit of both. Right? As as a group, as a dark label, that's probably the best performance because I know we had there was another one you guys did, right? We we did at um the, our last performance was actually uh, I think a month after that. It was in Hollywood. Yeah, it was in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, but that was the last time we ever performed. Yeah. After that, it was just uh, me recording songs. And I think that was 2010. And I've said this so many times, you know, and I tell this to young men all the time now that I'm older, is that I, I my biggest regret when doing the music was giving all of my attention to women instead of mm-hmm. focusing on the music. 
Because from 2010 to 2012, it was nothing. And what was happening during that time? Oh, you had a, you had a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. And it, it wasn't the best relationship either, too. It was, it was, it was horrible, you know? And mm. I, the love that I had from the music was replaced by this person that I was pretty much infatuated with, you know? And it ruined my creativity. It ruined my, my lyricism. But it also inspired it. You know, at the same time, but I wasn't recording anything. Or I, if I was, it was definitely a lot slower. And I think if I would have never gotten into that relationship, I would have probably put out two or three more mixtapes. It's hard to say. I mean, because after that relationship, you had another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, some of that goes into your yeah. next project. Yep. Right. Yep. And so that became an inspiration after the fact. Yep. Right, so maybe the songs changed, but I don't think your creativity was diminished. I think it maybe was put on pause. Well, it was put on something else. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah, I was creating other stuff. You know what I mean? Not the mm-hmm. stuff that I wish I would have been creating. At, at least now, hindsight. Maybe back then I was like, nah, whatever, you know? But I remember you would ask me, hey, when are you going to come back to the studio? I was like, oh, I'll let you know, right? I'll let yeah. you know. And it would be very, very sporadic. It wasn't like lyrical genetics. Right. But at the same time, like you said, when that relationship ended, that's when I went back into the studio and we killed that, that, uh, that whole mixtape. Yeah. You know, we, we, I think it was what, 15 tracks? 15 tracks. Yep. And what was your favorite song in that and mixtape? Oh, Pursuit of the Garden. Yep. <laughs> I remember, I still remember when I did the chorus. I think yeah. this is the first time I actually sang, right? Or tried that to was, sing, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the first time. And you time. were like, Bah! <laughs> After I was done. I didn't, I yeah. didn't know what to expect when right. I sang that. I was like, is he going to like this? Is he going to be uh, like, what so the fuck are you doing? You know, like, just very quickly, On the Way Over Here, that was the song I was playing. No way. No way. No Pursuit way. of the Garden. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. Simple, simple chorus. If you guys haven't heard it, you got to, you yeah. got to hear it. It's on SoundCloud. Yeah. Not SoundCloud. Uh, yeah, SoundCloud, right? It's on SoundCloud. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah it's, um, yeah. That was, I think, the pinnacle of, like, your alter ego, right? A flow. Yep. Right? Yeah, a little bit of cockiness and a little bit of arrogance, yep. you know, but, um, yeah, it's a great, great track. It was a great track. And I remember what inspired it. I remember I wrote that track in 2011. I was working at a dump, literally at a damn dump. Remember that? When I used to come home smelling like shit? Yeah. <laughs> I remember that specific track. There was a girl that worked there. Mm-hmm. And that inspired it, right? But then it was also like a combination of just different women. And that kind of like, I made up this woman and that song was supposed to be about her, right? Right. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give it a try. I'm going to sing on this track and see, see what, what happens. And that gave me the confidence to start expanding my, my repertoire when it came to, to music, you know. And then, like you said, I brought somebody else into, into the music thing, too, as well, right, eventually. Right? Yeah. And, but this person was actually involved in the music, which was kind of cool, you know. Mm-hmm. And you got to meet him as well. But then that was, that was it. That was the end of Dark Label. And I never asked you, you know, on your side, I mean, how did, how did you feel about that? Did you expect it to happen? Did you expect things to slow down or... Because I'll tell you my side in a minute. Well, I think once I knew Alex stopped recording, I felt like there wasn't going to be that much of a push 
on yeah. our side. Like it wasn't going to be everybody collaborating together. Um, and so I saw that it, it would be a struggle. But I, I still wanted to make music with you guys, right? I still wanted to record. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I mean, we did uh, self-portrait after yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, I still wanted to do it, but I knew, like, it, it was going to be an uphill battle. So, especially, you know, like you said, 2010 to 2012, nothing came out, right? We did one project after that, but I kind of felt like a culminating project for, for Dark Label. Yeah. Same here. I mean, that's what I felt, too, from your side. I felt like you didn't have the same drive because Alex was gone. Because I feel like Alex, he would always say it. He was a quarterback, yeah. right? And once he was gone, it was just like, okay, well, we both knew how we worked. But at the same time, he, I feel like he was the one pushing the whole thing. And we worked great together, mm. right? But I felt like somebody needed to push me, too. Even though, I, even though I, at times I would push myself or, you know. But I felt like you definitely didn't have the same drive that you had when we first started. Mm-hmm. And I never addressed that. I never, I never told you that, but I felt it. And then once, uh, you know, Jason, the person I started to work with, mm-hmm. picked us up, then I kind of figured, well, I mean, if he's going to pick us up and midnight's kind of like, you know, well, I'll record you if you want to, but yeah. I'm not really going to push for it no more. Then I felt that it was time to basically, we didn't end it like, say, okay, Dark Label was done. We never actually said that, but right. I think that was it. Once it started well, working, we did. Their... But Alex kept saying, "When he when he stopped, yeah. Dark Label's over. It's, it's over. It's over." Like, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and I, I just wanted to bring that up because I think we had some great memories from twenty. It was, it was pretty much three years, right, of recording. Yeah, three yeah. three years. And you know, we I put out more stuff with you. Then I, mm-hmm. with Jason, I only put out, I never put anything out. I mean, I recorded stuff with Jason, you know, and he was a great mentor too. He he taught me a lot of stuff too. He, he taught me how to do the ad libs, which I would never do in any of my tracks when mm-hmm. I would record with you. But we never put out an official mixtape CD, and with you we put out three. Yeah, you know, so uh, it's still one of my favorite times of my life recording with you, making music with you. Hanging out, you know, going to parties, yeah. right? <laughs> Saying fuck, <"Fuck." laughs> yelling it out, you know. Yeah. Inside joke, anywho. Uh, but yeah, man, it was fun. Those those were some of the best years of my life because even though we never made it big, as, as you know, if you can say that, we still put things out that we can still play to this day. Yeah, I mean, I, I play it frequently. Yep. So. You know, so if anybody has not heard the music, again, it's on SoundCloud. It's Anywhere, you know, in the links, whatever. But it's immortal. You know, yeah. we immortalize our voices. We we have them out there for the world to hear it. And for my kid and for whoever decides to hear it, you know. But anywho, to transition to something you mentioned earlier, which was Chicano history. And I know during this time, I was definitely more involved in that. I mean, I majored in Chicano studies, right, in mm-hmm. history. And... You you never really talked about it, right? At no. least I never felt like you had any real interest in it. So I never really figured, oh, he wants to talk about this. I mean, I would have songs about it and whatever, but yeah, we didn't really push that either on you. you know? No, yeah, and yeah. I think at the time it was it wasn't really something that's really on my mind. Yeah, I mean, I 
uh, to be honest, it w- it's not until recently that I've actually... I'm going to get some water, sorry. Yeah. It's not until recently that I've taken a Chicano history course and got to, you know, learn about all these different historical figures I didn't really know before. I mean, you know the basics, you know, right? You know Cesar Chavez, right? Yeah. And, and uh, the boycott. But it was so kind of like a mention in between the grander history that, that was being taught in high school. And so uh, they, you didn't have a chance to really explore the details and all the different people and what yeah. was being done. And so I, I, I think it was ignorance, right? I didn't know. Um, and I, I didn't really have a great experience with uh, the, the Mecha club that was yeah, at yeah, my high yeah. school. <laughs> so I, I just... I don't blame you. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just didn't... I wasn't resonating with that message. So... You know, whereas now, um, what interests me is like the stories of the people mm. going through that time. You know, so yeah, at the time that'd be correct. I wasn't really into it. Yeah, and I think because we were pretty political, and I don't think you ever really got into politics. I know right. you never really. That's something we never really talked. We kind of did, but never really had any. It was more about philosophy and it was things. yeah more philosophical yeah. discussions and. Uh, uh, you know, discussions about uh, morality and yeah. and things of that nature, as opposed to policies and you know politics. Absolutely, yep. And I think that was really cool to be able to do that. That, that again at that age, because mm-hmm. even though we still did the whole party thing, you know, uh, still we we I think we're, we were pretty smart people. I like to believe, you know, <laughs> hopefully. Um, so yeah. So what was the class that? got you into Chicano studies or Chicano history? It was the class that I, I took recently at CSUN, right? History of the Chicano. Mm. Um, and so that, in a condensed way, talked about, um, you know, basically from uh, a treaty of uh, Guadalupe uh, Hidalgo, Hidalgo yeah. uh, until more recent times, uh, really up until just after um, the dissolvement of uh, La Raza Unida, mm. you know. So, it, it, again, it was kind of a condensed version, but, you know, we talked about um, um, the white caps, right? Los Goros Blancas, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and those, yeah. uh, you know, grassroots uh, militant, like, protest, uh, and how that led to, you know, uh, future protests on the line. How That was really the first signs of, you know, uh, organizing against... Uh, this uh, these policies that were being kind of pushed on, yes, you know Mexican Mexican Americans and basically getting their land taken over, you know, for the purposes of you know these corporations trying to monetize everything. So basically, so now that you know this, do you feel like this is something you should have learned when we were talking about it, or does it matter to you? I don't know if. Well, it's hard to say. I mean, I think everyone should know the stories of okay. these people or have the opportunity to learn about these stories. See, I, in high school, I don't think there was an option for me to do that. <laughs> no, there wasn't. You know? No. Um, I think there needs to be some some way for young people to know about their ancestry and their, their history and the struggles that you know, their ancestors face because it, it definitely shapes the mindset yes. of people today. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of distrust 
um, at least from growing up, that's what I saw. A lot of distrust, you know, between Mexican-American and, and Anglos, right? And where did that come from? What's the animosity? I mean, there, you couldn't really verbalize it. It was just something you were taught and kind, kind of, of felt and, knew. and felt, yeah. even though personally I never felt that way, but I saw it. It was around me yeah. and, and, and all the adults were, would say these things and feel this way. And I just didn't understand it. It's not until I think I became aware of these things recently that I was able to kind of put together the pieces, which kind of is an eye opening moment. Right. And so I think everyone has to have that opportunity to have that eye-opening moment of their history and where they came from, why situations, the way things are now, you yeah. know. And I think because you're a pretty curious person, I think that also helps out. Mm-hmm. At least from since I've known you, you've been pretty curious. So when you, I remember when you, you sent me a text, I think it was last year or late last year, I think sometime in December, mm-hmm. where I was going to go, go on my trip. And I think you asked me if, I'd taken a certain course or if I read a certain book, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, I actually have, you know, and I talked about, you know, Rudy Acuna and him right. being the godfather of Chicano studies. But when you asked me that, I was I was kind of like surprised. I was like, wait, what? Like he's taking a course <laughs> in Chicano studies? I mean, I was like, cool, right? But it's funny that, that you went through that. And I would say more importantly, it's great that you didn't go through the whole uh political stage of it because for me I did mm-hmm. and I think that stunted my growth as a, as a person and in ways that I probably wish I had, didn't have to experience because I would say from 15 to 20 years old I was really really political I was in that you know F the government F the system the white man whatever right mm-hmm. it was kind of going away when I met you a little bit but I was still pretty political I was still a socialist you know if you want to call it that uh, but I think if I would have spent more time learning about economics, and I think you always did, you kind of like had, you, I mean, you love math. So mm-hmm. now that I regret learning this stuff, I mean, I, of course not. I mean, I'm, I love it, but I wish that I would, now that I'm picking up these other things about life that really, I think, explain many situations today for us, I wish that I would have picked that up then. See, you know? it, it's hard to say how I would have reacted if I had learned about this at the same age you did. Yeah. You know, because going through that course, I mean, there's a lot of videos that that you watch and a lot of things that can really affect someone. Like you seeing people, you know, peacefully protesting, getting beat. Yes. You know, by by the police and Mm -hmm. for for no reason, uh, without any regard to human life, you know, and being able to look at that as, and I'm thinking to myself, as a, if I were 15, I mean, as, as now, you know, being in my 30s, I looked, I saw that, and I still felt anger, mm-hmm. you know. Wow. I, felt, I felt anger for the injustice that I saw. And, but, you know, older, I'm able to more, you know, compose myself a little bit more. But as a 15-year-old, what would that have done? And so it's a little tricky. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I learned about these things and I was curious about it, but I've always been able to l- take myself out of the equation for most most things. You know, just That's good. like take take my emotions out of it and try to look at it, you know, as an observer 
without any biases and try try to get the facts of what actually happened. So as you should, uh, you know, yeah, yeah as we all should. It, <laughs> but it, it's hard, you know. And yes. I I can't say that I fully did that. I did that to a great extent. But again, I'm older, a little wiser, a little more composed. So it's it's difficult to say, you know. What would have happened if I had learned about that at 16? Yeah, and I think it's important you bring that up because learning history can make you feel a certain way, especially when you see injustices, especially when you see it happening to a specific group, mm-hmm. especially if you're part of that group and you feel, you know, uh, that it's personal to you. Right? right. So definitely at 15... I saw that, and I had, you know, Beto G, who was a photographer, again, of lyrical genetics. Mm-hmm. He played a huge role in that. He was, I think, 30 when he was my teacher. So he was, he was like, around our age, you know? Mm-hmm. And the way he taught history was very personal. I remember there was this specific day where he was talking about segregation. I mean, San Fernando High School had, like, one white kid, you know, or one white-looking kid, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I remember he literally put colored and white on two different doors. And he said, all the colored people can only enter through this door and all the white folks go through this door. And the purpose of that experiment was to see how, you know, you would experience segregation or racism or colorism or whatever during the time when it was happening. He wouldn't allow us to sit on, on his side. Our, our side. our side was like super trashed. It was, you know, all those things just made, made uh, history be more personal. He was great at that. Right. So having that experience with him and then learning the stuff that I was learning, I got pissed. I got super enraged. And for years, I, I lived with trauma. I lived with rage. And I think that, like I said, I think that stunted my growth in certain, certain areas. I'm not, not in every area. Right. Mm-hmm. But if I would have been able to observe history the way I'm doing it now and the way you're talking about it now, which what I try, this is what I tried doing when I started this podcast, when, I, when it was still called Rasa Stan. It was, okay, look at things from a non-biased perspective, observe them, take them in, and see how you can come up with a solution. Because a lot of people, what they do today is put up, you know, they'll post something up, and what does it do to you? It pisses you off, right? When you see the whole street vendor thing, when you see uh, cops killing people, I mean, all these things, all they do is put that here, now you're pissed. Mm-hmm. There's no context behind that. So, and most places, there isn't a place for conversation, right? So, I think it's very, very irresponsible for somebody who teaches history to not teach it without context. To say, you know what, this happened then, you know, and how how do we address these issues that still affect us today without being fully emotionally invested? I mean, you can't ever really fully disconnect, obviously, but... With kids, you have to be very responsible. And that's why, as an educator, I do that. Today, I teach history. Mm-hmm. When kids ask me, who's the bad guy? Who's the good guy? I said, nobody. There's only good actions and bad actions. And that, there's consequences to each one of those actions, you know? But we got a couple of comments in here uh, by uh, Texas AZ Anna. She's actually in my DMs a lot. We hear her talk a lot. It says, it's super important to process that information and untangle the trauma. Yes, trauma, right? Of it so we don't become jaded. And we have to be really clear that issues of white supremacy is a white people problem that people of color pay up, pay for. All right. So, you know, anything you want to say about that or, or to add on to that? Well, again, just trying to looking at uh, trying to look at things from a non-biased perspective. 
you know, I, I don't know if, um, it, you know, I don't know if there's a blame to go around, mm. you know? I feel like a lot of people are, are looking to blame someone or say, you need to fix this or you need to fix that. But, you know, I keep thinking of this thing, and I remember somebody told me this a long time ago, um, and I'll let you guys decide what, what to make of this, uh, this comment. But uh, this person was explaining to me this. I think I was 18 years old at the time, so over 10 years ago. They said, I don't understand why there's, you know, Black History Month mm. and why there's a celebration of, you know, or there's always on the news like, oh, today is the 35th anniversary of Rodney King or yeah, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Like, if you keep bringing up these incidents, it's going to keep bringing up these emotions yep. and you will never be able to get past them. Yeah. Right? Yep. And so the way that I rationalize it now or kind of look at it now is, Let's change the let's change the scenario a little bit, and let's not make it about race. Let's make it about a relationship. Mm. Let's say that there's two people in the relationship. One of them cheats on the other, right? That person forgives them for cheating, and they take them back and accept. Okay, we're gonna work things out. We're gonna you know keep working on our relationship and build you know rebuild this trust. Yes. What if that person keeps blaming that? person who cheated and they say you know you remember you cheated on me and every year brings up the fact this is the day you did it right this is the day that you cheated on me let's not forget you know what's that gonna do not just to that person who's who's you know bringing it up right yes but but to the person keeps getting blamed Mm. how can you live with someone who keeps bringing up all of the faults that you've had yep and so it, it's not an easy answer. It's not an easy discussion. I think there, sh- there should be a discussion. But it's also, you know, this society is not built to have those discussions. It's not. It's not. Yeah, you're, you're encouraged to be on extremes. Polarizing. Because, because that's clickbait. There you go. There <laughs> it is. There it is, right? Exactly right. And that's why, again, this is why another, another reason why I went away from just doing politics mm-hmm. on the platform because... I noticed that I was spending a lot of time going, going, getting into discussions, debates, whatever, which is fine. I don't mind that. But I, I, exactly what you just said right now. I mean, some people are just set in their ways. doesn't matter what you tell them. doesn't matter what side of the coin they're on or whatever, whatever argument you present. If they are already set in their ways, there's nothing you can do about it. Right. So I don't want to, I don't want to spend my time talking to somebody who is who has that kind of mindset? If you're open, mm-hmm. then we can go all day, you know. And if I if I have the time to do it, but if you want to come into my DMs or into my comments and say, oh, you know, you're stupid for this, or or even if they don't if they don't attempt to insult me, it just oh, this is wrong, and mm-hmm. because of this, right? Then, like I said, I'm just not gonna waste my time doing that anymore. I, there's no point to do that if people. Want to feel a certain way about something? Go ahead, right? And I think the best way to do uh, talks is doing what we're doing now. I mean, or if people are open to that. I used to do it with the IG lives as well for a while. People would get on, and it was pretty respectful for the most part. Had some people who sometimes would say some things, you know, but I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, I think I've always said this too. Only Alex and my 
wife are the only people who can trigger me. <laughs> Nobody else can because I, I just know how to, you know, debate people, I guess. And they know everything about me, so they can push certain buttons. Well, I mean, you got to agree to the, the terms of a debate, right? Yeah, exactly. You, you can't go in there uh, not being open-minded, mm-hmm. right? Uh, one of the things that is difficult for people to do is accept that, number one, they may be wrong on exactly. something. Yep. You know? Um, and I think that's a little bit of ego for mm-hmm. everyone. Yep. And so, really, if you're if you're trying to get to the bottom of bottom of things, is you have to be willing to accept the fact that you may be wrong, and not only that, but give that person credit and say, you know, that's a great point. Yeah. You know, and then address that further. Yeah, some folks would rather be, you know, wrong, but feel like they won the argument than to be right and quote mm-hmm. unquote lose the argument. Right. right. So, <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's... Again, that's why it's not an argument. It's not. It's a discussion. Well, people... Well, again, they... From what I've... From the experience that I've had on this... Mm-hmm. And I, was, I think I was a little too naive. I thought that I was going to be able to... Just with the information... Mm-hmm. Look, here are some numbers. Because, I mean, you know... Numbers, I mean, it's, it's, it's easier to prove something with numbers, Right. But even then, people will say, well, these numbers are distorted because you're not really adding the narrative and yada, yada, whatever. At that point, you know, do you want to continue with the discussion? If, mm-hmm. if, if um, I think one of the things that I said was, okay, we're talking about Biden. And I said, Biden, had his, if you look at his track record, it will speak for itself on his politics mm-hmm. on how he sees things. Right now, today, that he's a president, he's a little more, quote unquote, liberal, right? But if you were to judge that man based on his politics, you could say he's not right. based on his history, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody said, well, what if he had to change your heart? I was like, at 80, 70? You, you think so? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, maybe so, right? Maybe it's just me, right? But I mean... The thing that... And this is the one thing I'll say about politics. Because yeah. I, I don't... A lot of people get really offended oh, yeah, when they we do. start talking about politics. Yep. If there's that saying, right, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Absolutely. What does a little bit of power do? Mm. Right? There's, you know, there's uh, people who got you in this position, right, who feel that they're now owed something. Exactly. You know? And so what what are you going to do then? Because, I mean, everyone has special interests. Like, yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> so... Yep. It's hard to accept anything at face value. What what you know? What you see on the TV? What you see people saying in Capitol Hill? Because everybody has an agenda. It might not be their agenda. It's the people who promoted them and mm-hmm. got them into mm-hmm. power. Exactly. Right. That's a great point. That's a great point to say that everyone has an agenda, especially yeah. in politics. And Alex, again, I keep bringing him up. He said that politics. I like sports for people who don't like sports. <laughs> it is definitely a yeah. competition. Yeah. Right? Right. It is a competition. Yep. Um, yeah. And I, I think now because maybe of the exposure that we have available now, right. The, the media is 24 seven and like you can't, yeah, everybody's on a hot mic and <laughs> there's cameras everywhere. You know, it's kind of, 
to me, it's kind of like a, a boxing match promo. <laughs> Basically, right? <laughs> you got all these people making these big claims and yelling and shouting, and it's, it's I don't know, it's difficult to absolutely to put your trust on on yeah. somebody right now. All right, so I know that. Even with that said, I mean, you're not a political person, you're not really a political guy, but I wanted to segue to the final uh, topic for today is, first of all, what are you doing now? Obviously, you know, we don't do music anymore together. Mm. We don't really hang out as much as we used to, obviously. Right. Um, But we're still homies, I would say. You know, we still talk whenever we can. I mean, you're here. You know, you came over (laughs) here, right? But anywho, like, how did you take the, the, I guess, you know, how did you... Because you would spend a lot of time doing that, right? Because you, you would spend a lot of time creating music. Right. How did you adjust to that? And and what are you doing now, I guess, you know? that's a, I know that's a lot of... That's a huge, like, 10 years of, yes. you know, of, <laughs> of time, you know? But so, yeah, I guess if you can answer that question. Well, um, one of the things that I think um, I took away from all that work is really the, the work ethic, <clears throat> okay. right? Um I've always been known as a bit of a perfectionist, and I think uh, that showed in in our recording sessions. You know, where I wanted to get things just right. Yep. Um, it's it's still like that in a certain to a certain extent, but really, it's the work at the, my ability to uh, just buckle down and get things done. And and so what I'm doing now is uh, I, I work for a company that uh, gets contracted by um, schools, uh, grade schools. To okay. provide computer curriculum and teach classes, right? So nice. I, I actually lead a group of um, last year was sixteen different locations. Wow! Yeah, so I, I help develop the curriculum. I I train the teachers, and then they go out and teach the the students, um, which has been uh, a lot of work, espe- especially you know with the pandemic, and we had to transition <laughs> over to doing online classes. And not only that, we I actually uh, my company. Uh, offered free classes, free webinars for teachers so that uh, we can teach them how to use all these tools when everybody went on lockdown in March. So, um, yeah, I had to had the opportunity to train about 700 different educators in LAUSD, uh, which was which was amazing. And I think, um, you know, even being on stage and recording with you guys kind of helped give me that confidence to be able to you know, to give that presentation, yeah. exactly, because yeah. you have so many eyes on you. There's yeah, people commenting. <laughs> <laughs> and it was an hour long each session, and we was, you know, huh? <clears throat> we did seven sessions. So uh, to keep speaking and keep interacting with people for an hour, like kind of like we're doing yeah, now. Yeah, it's about to be, I think, an hour pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, definitely something that helped with, with, you know, a skill that helped me do that. Wow. And on top of that, uh, getting my... Uh, my bachelor's in computer science. You know, I switched majors about four different times. But I finally narrowed it down, computer science. So I'm going to CSUN right now, and I take night classes. So after, you know, work. after work, I do the night classes. So, yeah. Nice. So, I mean, it, w- it wasn't a waste. I mean, obviously, it was, again, a big part of our lives. But you used it to continue with your career, to continue with... Whatever you're doing now, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm glad. I'm glad that you that you can because I I did worry at one point, not so much. Oh, you know what? What is he doing, right? Mm-hmm. But because it was such a big part of our lives when we were doing that, right. and 
not only did did uh, we stop hanging out as you know as much as we we used to, right? But obviously no no music, whatever. So I, I would think about. It. I think the last time we we hung out when we were still kind of doing music was when I was just dating Ruby. I think it was twenty fourteen. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was your birthday. We shot pool. Oh right, and, yes. You know, I think it was you know the two of us and. You got to meet her then. Yeah. And after that, it was like a huge, like, long break where we didn't see each other for years, I think. Yeah, right? it was it was a few years. And that was the longest drought we had of not hanging out. So I would I would think, man, like, like does he still want to do music? You know, <laughs> would he even be interested if I hit him up? It felt, it felt like back like when we had just known each other. Mm-hmm. Because in the beginning, I was a little hesitant to ask you, hey, can you record on Saturday or Sunday, whatever? But when we would hang out, it became a lot easier. So it went back to how when we first met. Right. And then because we stopped hanging out, you know, I, I, felt, I felt a little bad. I'm not going to lie, you know, because Alex had left to Vegas and, you know, we, all of us used to hang out. And I would think about the stuff we used to do, hang out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, like, I wish I could hang out with Midnight again, you know. And, and yeah. so it, it, I did feel that, you know, just for my part. Well, on my end, I thought you were busy with your girlfriend. Yeah, so. probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, you know, he, yeah. he's he's fine. He's got other priorities going. So, you know, that's that's actually around the time I started the with the company I'm with now. I think you started with the, your company. Yeah, I started in 2012. Yeah. yeah so, uh, yeah, we 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 got jobs at you know respective companies at the yeah. same time. We're still there. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I've moved up uh, since since going and i heard that you recently applied to to right to get some yeah i applied to a manager position at my job so i'm open i have my second interview next not next week two weeks yeah and so when i when i heard that i was like man you know flo's doing his thing yeah you know (laughs) yeah i have to i have to i've been here for too long not to do that yeah everybody that i started with in my department is gone Hmm. it's it's either people who have been there after me are just younger and so it feels weird not to and you know doing this doing the podcast in the last two years has given me that confidence you were talking about how your creativity gave you the confidence but your job i feel yeah. the same way i feel like i can lead and i didn't feel that comfortable even when i even when i was rapping or doing music i felt like that was an alter ego and that was not something that i could really bring to work mm-hmm. but this i can because this is this is a skill that you can use anywhere right you know interviewing people uh, that's what I'm going to be doing. If I do become a manager at my job, I'm going to have to ask people questions, you know? So I've been doing this now for two years. And, and so, yeah, it's definitely, hopefully, I'll get it, you know, pretty soon. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, we are at 630. I think it's almost exactly an hour. Uh, before you, we uh, we end the live or this, this episode. Anything else you wanted to say? Uh, you know, any shout outs to people out there who are going to watch this or... or I want to share one one more story, okay. if I if I may. Let's do if it. I may, yeah. Let's do it. So you know, I've always thought about when I knew I was gonna do this podcast with you. I thought about like what's one thing that might define me, right, and who I am. And the story came to mind about uh, this time I was working at right before I met Alex. I was working at a uh, kind of like a continuation school as a TA. Okay. Right. And at this school, um, there was this um, uh, school safety officer uh, who also worked at the South Pasadena Police Department. 
And over the time, my time there, we developed this friendship. And um, he shared something with me that affected me quite a bit. And to this day is really something that I try to live my life by. He, he mentioned, I forgot exactly what we were talking about, something about possessions or material things. And he said, you know, Josue, there's only two things in life a man really ever owns. He said, it's the work that you do and how you treat other people. Wow. Like everything else, your health, your family, you your don't. possessions, they can all be taken away from you. But when you die, how you treated others and the work that you left behind, like that's what's going to remain. And so that's what I wanted to just close out with and share with everyone is think about that. Wow. You know, th- that's that's going to be the only thing that is left when you're gone. And that is the clickbait for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, anywho, uh, again, thanks again, yep. Midnight, for for coming on here. And this was a long time coming. I know that eventually I was going to have you on here. just didn't know when. Mm-hmm. So it happened that this week worked perfectly. I'm alone by myself. You know, wife is in Chicago with the kids. So I'm like, you know what? This is a perfect week. I don't have to worry about, hey, you know, when, you, when, when are we going to go out? Like, no, nah, like, I'm going to work, take my time doing this, right? Yeah. But anywho, uh, I hope to have you again in the future. You know, maybe we can talk about something else or, you know, something you, you think is important to talk about. I mean, this was great. obviously important too, you know, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but just something more specific that I, you're passionate about. I know you're passionate about many, many things. Mm-hmm. So I would like to have you on again and, you know, maybe even, even encourage you to do something too. You know, with your own platform, because you're you're a creative too, just like me. You yeah. Know? And and, and uh, yeah, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, no problem. All thanks right. for having me. All right, all right, people. This is Flow Midnight. This time I'm on this side of the of the computer. He's on the other side. But again, collaborating, doing something. So uh, peace out, people. I don't wanna die. Oh no, let my soul go. Even after I have passed, I will forever live through my passion, commitment, and love.